This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. effective in the body of Christ? Don't be one that's a witch hunt and looking for all the faults in these religions. Now, I understand some people are into apologetics. They, they study about different cults of religion, and you, you have a heart to kind of say, you know, these people are, are worshiping the, the wrong God, and I want to help them. You know, the best way you can help them, that you can have a communication, show them love and show them Jesus. Because the minute you start sharing your God is false and your God is dead, you already closed the barrier of communication. They don't want to talk to you. You already, you lost them. You're not going to get them. If you want to effectively minister to non-believers, don't start by attacking their beliefs or lifestyle. That doesn't mean you need to condone what you believe is sin, but instead, shift your focus onto the Savior. The time will come that God will convict them of the sin. But as Pastor Eddie explains in today's message, that's not our job. First and foremost, it's our job to share the love and grace of Christ with them. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie for today's edition of Running the Race. a lot of, you know, Messianic believers, Jews who believe in Jesus Christ, a lot. We just don't, we just don't, don't know it. We don't mention enough. But there are some of them who still don't want to, uh, they don't want to eat, you know, you know uh, lobster and shrimp. That, that's fine. I think, you know, there's, a, there's good reasons for it. But they don't, you know, I'm not going to have, you know, take them out to Red Lobster. Because I know it's going to say, hey, how you doing, brother, you know? You know, these, these are the things. I remember one time we were invited years ago. We were invited to Yom Kippur at, a, uh, you know, Jewish, you know, believers. It was really, really good. Cool, because they, they believe in Jesus, Yeshua, and they just celebrate that. We want to be a part of it just to see the culture in those days. And we were, you know, we didn't want to go empty-handed. So, you know, we wanted to bring something. You know, we would bring a cake. Now, I was a cake guy. I'm still a cake guy. But we were thinking of bringing a cake, and we almost brought in a German chocolate cake. Now, that may, some of you didn't get that. German, you know, we don't want to bring that past, you know, the Holocaust or things like that. I say, you know what? Let's just bring, find out what's kosher. It causes you to try to get something that was kosher, you know, whatever. But you want to be careful not to offend them or to, or to um, bring anything in the past. So, and he says, you are no longer walking in love. If you do that, you're not walking in love. Because if you love your brother, whether he's a Jewish believer or, uh, or non-Gentile believer, whether they have certain, you know, practices or laws, you know, and you know it's offensive, don't do it. If you love them, don't do it. He says, he, I like what he says when he ends, do not destroy with your food the one whom Christ died. Don't destroy that relationship because of a cheeseburger. Don't destroy that because somebody, they don't find anything wrong with drinking alcohol. Now, you know, I've been to so many uh, things where, you know, people are Christians, they're believers, and they drink. I'm not going to say, oh, wait a minute, in church you were worshiping the Lord, and here you are with a bottle of beer and liquor. Oh, i got to leave. I can't be here. No. You know, it's between you and the Lord. The Lord will tell you if it's a sin. 
But I tell you, if you're a leader, it is a sin. Just take it from me. No, just kidding. As a pastor, I know I can't do that. I really care less. I'm not saying, man, as a pastor, I can't be a wine bibber. You know, as a pastor, I know I can't do it. Um, but let's put it if I can't. I don't want to do it. You know, there's so much alcohol that does more damage than anything. You know, the Bible says don't get drunk. And how do you get drunk? By liquor. You understand? There are people who just don't know how to drink. They don't know. And I was raised where, you know, where, you know, my, my father used to own a club before, you know, the hardware store. He had both at one time. And as a little kid, I just didn't like the smell. And I saw so many fights and so many things. I said, you know what? Now you're saying, what is a young kid doing in the club, right? I always wanted to be with my father. And it was only like during the day when he did the cleaning. But some people would come up, you know. And in those days, it weren't strict. But I wasn't drinking, trust me, my father allowed. But anyhow, I did just didn't like the history of it. I had an uncle who died at a, you know, DUI. You know, he crashed. He did. It's just so much. I just don't, I don't need it. Paul said all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. That's what he, in other words, all things are not really a sin. But here's the question. What can you profit from it? I had a 16-year-old boy came up to me, and he said, listen, in two years, I want to get a tattoo. My mother said, I'm not going to get a tattoo until I'm out of the house. What do you say, Pastor? Because I know you say tattoos are not a sin. It's not a sin. It's not a sin. But it is a sin to dishonor your parents, and you're still under your submission, your parents. When you can vote and pay the bills, (laughs) then you can make your own decisions. But because you love your mother and you honor your mother, why don't you not do it? Is your mother more important to you than a tattoo? So you see, this is, this is the way, this is the heart. This is the way we, so we are to look at it. This is what Paul teaches, but this is what divides us. This is what divides even the Jews and the Gentiles in those days. Separation, because we have these customs, we have these rituals that mean something to us, but it doesn't mean anything to the other person. To the other person, this means it is important, but it doesn't mean anything to you. And we need to stop judging. This is what he puts it. This is why I want you to open up this page in this text. To market in your Bibles. Mark it in your Bibles so you know this is something, study, meditate on it, so you would not be an offense to your brother, nor will anybody be an offense to you. Now, if you love your brother, you wouldn't do these things because, hey, you know what? You're no longer walking in love. Paul doesn't want to offend anybody and be a stumbling block. Now, remember, Paul was one of those guys who wanted to bring the Gentile Christians and Jews together. He wanted to bring them together. That was his heart. I got to bring these people together. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul says, For he himself, speaking of Christ, is our peace, who has made both, speaking of Jew and Gentile, one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Listen, Jews and Gentiles, you believe in Jesus Christ, both are one in Christ. That wall, God is breaking it down, and we need to stop. We need to stop bringing division amongst ourselves. They continue to say to Paul in verse 25, But concerning the Gentiles, we... Concerning the Gentiles who believe, we have written and decided they should observe no such thing except that they should keep themselves from the things offered to idols for blood, from things strangled, and from spiritual immortality. Now, immorality, I'm sorry. This here was a letter that they wrote. Remember when Paul and Barnabas were arguing with a couple of Judaizers? Judaizers, they found out that there were Gentile Christians uh, that just started Gentiles, you know, now being grafted in. So they go up there from Jerusalem saying, listen, you Gentiles gave your life to the Lord. Well, great. Well, that's great. Awesome. Guess what? If you gave your life to the Lord, you need a little surgery. So what do you mean? You got to get circumcised. Are you kidding me? 
I'm saved. I, Paul didn't tell me how to get circumcised. And Paul and Barnabas got upset. They started arguing with these Judaizers. And listen, what are you doing? Putting something, a stumbling block on these guys. They don't have to do that. They weren't Jews. And it's all pretty much a foreshadow of what Jesus was. The cutting of the foreskin is, is cutting of the heart. That's what that is. It's a spiritual symbol that we cut, we're cut by the heart. We're cutting out the flesh. And we're letting God, more spirit than the flesh, come in, the spirit of God. So this is a picture. And you remember that's what happened back, back in, um, uh, I believe, in chapter 13, I believe, 15. 15, chapter 15. And so now, so they're telling Paul, say, listen, do this, but we know if anybody says it anything, just tell them what we, what we told the Gentiles. We, we told this to the Gentiles that, listen, they, they weren't, you know, the, they, they weren't subject to being circumcised, but we did tell them this you know, to abstain from things that were offered to idols, from blood, and things that strangle, um, uh, that things that are strangled and sexual uh, immorality. So these are the things they have to stay away from. Now, here goes Paul. They told Paul what to do. This was their counsel. Paul is in town now. He's in Jerusalem. And now in verse 26, it says, Then Paul took the men, and the next day, having been purified with them, entered the temple to announce the expiration of the days of purification at which time an offering should be made for each one of them. So they went through all the uh, purification and all this. And verse 27, Now when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews from Asia, seeing him, they saw Paul, in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him. These were the Jews who really hated Paul when Paul started sharing the gospel. When Paul went to Asia Minor, when Paul went to, to Galatia, when he went to Corinth and Athens, all these Jews that were from those er- that area, they came to Israel. Remember, this is the feast, the Pentecost, the Passover. Oh, they're coming in for the feast. And they remember Paul and said, there's Paul. That's the man that's preaching against our people and telling everyone not to be circumcised. So they see Paul. He's a familiar face. And so Jews from everywhere, because remember, where did Paul go first? Every city and every village and every town that he went first, where did he go? The synagogue. So he had a lot of enemies at the synagogue. So he hit the Jews. He went to the Jews first to let them know, hey, listen, you've been waiting for the Messiah for thousands and thousands of years. Guess what? He came. Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And then he went to the Gentiles. That was Paul's ministry. And so they hated Paul. So they spotted Paul. And it says the Jews from Asia see him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd, and lay hands on him. In verse 28, 28, crying out, men of Israel, help. This is the man who teaches all men everywhere. I like that. I like to pause there. Who teaches all men everywhere. What a good reputation Paul has. It's a good reputation. He's teaching people everywhere. This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against the, the people, the law, and this place, speaking of the temple. And furthermore, he also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this place. So they say that he brought in a Greek with him when all he had was four Jewish boys, four Jewish men who were taking a Nazarite vow. They were Jews. And it says, verse 29, it says, for they previously seen true Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. So they're saying, okay, you know, they brought Trophimus into the temple, a Gentile. Oh, he was with him, so he had to bring him in. Who are those four guys? I can't tell. They all shaved. They could have been uh, Trophimus. 
And so now they are supposing that he brought in a, an Ephesian, a Greek, into the temple. Now the crowd, uh, uh, they, had, they made two false accusations against Paul. First, they said that he teach all men everywhere against the people, against the law, against the place. Again, never. Paul never spoke against anything. Saints, listen to me. This is important. This is important. Paul never spoke against anything. He didn't speak against Moses, the law. He didn't, when he was in Ephesus, did he go at the, the, the steps of the temple of Diana and say, this Diana is a false god, it's an image? No. Paul never spoke against religion. He never spoke against cults. He never spoke against any other gods or group of people. He never did that. All he simply did was share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the key. You want to be effective in the body of Christ? Don't be one that's witch hunting and looking for all the faults in these religions. Now, I understand some people are into apologetics. They, they study about different cults and religion. And you, you have a heart to kind of say, you know, these people are, are worshiping the, the wrong God. And I want to help them. You know, the best way you can help them, that you can have a communication, show them love and show them Jesus. Because the minute you start sharing your God is false and your God is dead, you already closed the barrier of communication. They don't want to talk to you. You, already, you lost them. You're not going to get them. Paul never did that. Paul never spoke against Diana. You remember in chapter 19 when he was in Ephesus. In Ephesus, Demetrius, who was the businessman who was making these little life, not life, well, life side, but these little small images, statue of the, of the goddess Diana, and they were losing money. Nobody was going to the temple Diana. Attendance was down. No one was buying any more of these idols. As a matter of fact, Ephesians, the, 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 the uh, Ephesus was a city, if you want to study, practice magic and spells, they had a common book. It was called the, the book of Ephesians, the book of spells. Ephesians, the book of spells. And they even burned the books. So now they realize, why is nobody worshiping Diana? There's no any more uh, worshipers of Diana. Business is down, attendance is down. They're burning books. It's Paul. And Paul, all he did was share the gospel. That's all he did. He didn't talk about their gods. He didn't protest. That's not what we do. We don't want to protest against these uh, organizations that, that hate God. They're not Christians. Walt Disney does something that, that's really uh, against God. And now you want to boycott Walt Disney. Well, then you need to boycott all kinds of... Co- you can't even have a phone company in your house. You can't wear the clothes you wear because many of these companies are supporting the very things you're against. What are you going to do? That's not doing anything. Protest. That's not Christian. You know what's Christian? If you, were, if, if you really want to change the world, don't go and witch hunt and start a war. Let God fight those battles. It's spiritual battles now with flesh and blood. You share the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you really want to be effective, you share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's all you need to do. And let everything happen. That's all Paul did. Paul just shared the gospel. And all of a sudden, everybody said, listen, I like what Paul was saying. I accepted Yeshua, Jesus. Yeah, I got rid of my idols of Diana. I don't believe that anymore. That's all Paul did. He shared the gospel. So that was a false accusation against him. And secondly, they were actually saying that, suppose that Paul had brought Trophimus, in the, the Ephesian, to the temple. Now, here, this is what happens. The Gentiles, those who were Gentiles, they were only allowed into the outer court of the temple. The Gentiles could not go to the inner court where the Jews, the court of the Jews. And they were serious about that, very serious about that. As a matter of fact, they posted signs. No Gentiles behind this point, because what happens is, it says, your life is in your own hand. They, they could kill you, and the Romans would not bother them with that. The Romans had no problem with that. 
No one could take a life in, in Rome. Now, Rome now control Israel. But if they passed that point, which was sacred to them, you had to be a Jew and only a Jew. You, they feel that a Gentile going into that poor section of the temple is defiling the temple. And so this is what they're saying. You brought in Trophimus in. And he did. They assumed because they saw him with Trophimus. And so that was on the, that was on the, 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 the temple of the court of the Jews and so they, they falsely accuse him. Now, Paul would know better. Why would Paul risk his own life to be stoned and, and bring an offense to Jews? Remember, that's not his key. That's not, that's, not, that's not his style. That's not his fashion. Why would he bring in a Gentile? Why would he bring in and risk the life of his fellow brother, Trophimus, into that place, into the court of the Jews to be killed? That wasn't wisdom. That's not wise. How are you going to share the gospel that way? By going against someone. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. And that's, the enemy is good. The enemy, he's the father of lies. And this is what he uses. He uses a crowd who doesn't follow Christ to, uh, to deceive people, bring false accusations, lies. And that's generally, Satan is the father of lies. And that's the, he works the best that way. That's all he knows how to do is work with lies. Verse 30. And when all the city was disturbed and the people ran together, seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple, and immediately the doors were shut. Now as they were seeking to kill him, news came to the commander of the garrison that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. He immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. They stopped beating Paul. They saw the Romans were always there, um, all of Jerusalem, and where the uh, commanders and the Roman soldiers were actually stationed, it would be at the northwest uh, point of the tower there. Now, they've built that tower, and that's where they looked down at the worshipers, and that's where they were stationed. When word got to the, uh, to the fortress of Antonia, that's where they stationed. They all came down. The commander... The commander is responsible for a thousand soldiers. Thousand soldiers, because you look at the plural here. Soldiers, centurions. Centurions saw over 100 soldiers. So this was a lot of soldiers. And the reason why they're there uh, is because in the past, uh, there was uh, an up, uh, uproar um, where they had a false prophet um, who came with 4,000 men. And they tried to take over Jerusalem. This false prophet was an Egyptian. We're going to see this in a little bit. Uh, we'll get there. So... The commander heard about this, verse 33. Then the commander came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains. And he asked who he was and what he had done. And some among the multitude cried one thing and some another. Cause, confusion. God is not the author of confusion. This, this is the enemy. So when he could not ascertain the truth because of atonement, he commanded him to be taken into the barracks. When he reached the stairs, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob. The violence of the mob was so much, they had to carry Paul. Paul was also weak at the same time. And so listen, we need to get this guy out of here because they're going to kill him. And it's our duty to protect him and to, to stop the riot. That's why they don't like riots. That's why they have a fortress there. They assume that it might be rebellion and they may want to take back Israel. And so here they wanted to kill him. And so... Verse 36, for the multitude of the people followed after, crying out, away with him. Away with him. Does that sound familiar? Away with him? That sounds familiar? 
Oh, when they say away with him, they're really saying kill him. You look at it in English language, away with him. It's, yeah, take him, get him out of here. No, it means to kill him. Does that sound familiar? That exactly happened to our Lord Jesus Christ. When Pilate brought Jesus up before the crowd, what did they cry out? Crucify him, crucify him, away with him, away with him. They said away with him, meaning to kill him, to kill him. Have you ever experienced that in your life as a believer in Christ? When you're rejected by your family and it's like almost away with you? Your coworkers away with you? I remember, like, they know who I am, for real. I'm not a clown. I'm not a, you know, joker. When I was, I, I didn't compromise my belief as a believer in my job. I wasn't a crazy fanatic. We talked about the word. We talked about sports. Great. I didn't make anybody feel uncomfortable. They would curse around me and say, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean so listen, God is hearing you, not me. <laughs> you know? And I made a few, I said, listen, listen, please. I don't expect them to speak a good language. They're from New York. What do you expect? It's part of the alphabet. And so, you know, they would say things. They apologize. Don't apologize to me. I mean, but when it came to sharing the gospel, guess what? Oh, don't get him started. Hey, Panero, I got a question for you. Don't get, oh, they start leaving. Some people were interested. They were listen. Those who want to hear, they're here. Because I, I, I didn't just, you know, speak like a fanatic. I gave them scriptures and I showed them, you know, it'll, you know, the way I teach you here, that's pretty much how I share. There's no difference. But then some people will say, you know, get out of here. Get out of with me. Oh, I don't want him in my office. Get out of here. I mean, I wasn't treated that bad. You know, I wasn't treated that bad. But guess what? If you feel that way, you know, get him out of here. He sheds too much light in my darkness. That's pretty much what they're saying. Too much light in my darkness. Well, you're in good company. Jesus said, they hated me before they hated you. Remember that. Then, the post, then as Paul was about to be led into the barracks, he said to the commander, may I speak with you? I speak, and I love this about Paul. Paul is cool. You know, he's all beat up. He didn't come and say, well, I'm innocent, I tell you. You don't know what I'm going through. Let me get my lawyer. Let me get, I'm entitled to a phone call. Bring me the shofar. Call my lawyer. You know, Paul was cool about it. He didn't, he didn't blame it on the Roman soldier, but he's very polite. May I speak with you? This is very important for us. The commander said to him, I speak to you. He said, may I speak to you? And he replied, the commander said, can you speak Greek? Like he was blown away. You're speaking Greek? Really? But it's good, educated, well-spoken Greek. Paul was an educated man, well-educated, knew the language he said, can I speak? He said, can you speak Greek? He said, are you not the Egyptian who some time ago stirred up a rebellion and led 4,000 assassins out in the wilderness? Remember the guy I tell you about the false prophet who uh, Josephus also records him and that happened in 50, AD 54 where they re- brought up a rebellion and go against Jerusalem? So he's asking, are you that Egyptian? Verse 39, but Paul said, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia. A citizen of no mean city, I implore you, please permit me to speak to the people. Paul is crazy. I love Paul. I would like to have an ounce, a fraction of his passion, of his boldness for Jesus Christ. We hope that today's edition of Running the Race has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Milford, Pennsylvania area, We want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on Running the Race are produced from the worship services at Calvary Chapel of Milford. Maybe the teaching you heard is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We have services every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., as well as an in-depth midweek Bible study every Wednesday at 7 p.m. For more information about service times, including driving directions, log on to runningtheraceradio.com and then simply click on Service Times. 
Now here's Tracy with some more important information about how you can help support Running the Race. Radio programs like Running the Race are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced, and God has given us a vision to see running the race expand throughout the tri-state area. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting running the race? Log on to runningtheraceradio.com and simply click on the Give option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Tracy. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God richly bless you. Please join us next time for another edition of Running the Race.